this uh, this message tonight a better word a better word I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to a couple places in scripture the first one actually is in Hebrews chapter 12 which isn't exactly a, usually a, a good Friday passage um, but, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a portion at the end of it that I really need you to hear it says for you have not come to what may be touched a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. Verse 22, it says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus... The mediator of a new covenant. Listen, listen. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. To the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I'm going to take you real quick again. This is Luke 23, 39 to 43. I think we actually have this up on the, uh, up on the overhead here. It says, Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? I want you to listen to this next part. We're going we're to get into it a little bit later. But it says, save yourself and us. Save yourself and us. Keanu, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how the other thief, the other criminal on the cross, actually was prophesying about something he didn't quite understand? You know, the biggest problem with the other guy was that he didn't realize that Jesus was saving him. He didn't realize what was going on. All he wanted to do was he wanted to get out of his predicament. He wanted to get out of his suffering. He didn't realize that what Jesus was doing was he was rescuing him. He was saving him. He was giving him an opportunity. But then he goes on and says, but the other answered rebuking him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly. We are punished justly. Because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, there are a lot of directions that I think we probably could have gone with with it being Good Friday. Um... I think it's always a really good reminder. Pastor Stephen mentioned it as he was opening up the service tonight. I think it's always a good reminder. It's always worth it to to remind yourselves that Good Friday wasn't good to the disciples. Good Friday wasn't good to the people that were experiencing on, on, on that side of the cross. See, for them, it was the end. It was the death of their dreams. It was the death of their future. It was the death of their reputations. Can you imagine being Peter? Or imagine being John going back to Galilee knowing that Jesus is dead. Like, I, I can't even imagine the things that were going through their heads. You know, grief can do some, uh, like some, some crazy things to you, right? But I can't even imagine all of the things that were crashing down in their lives. They had, I mean, come on, they had sold themselves out to follow Jesus. They had left everything. They'd left their families. They'd left their careers. They had trashed their reputations by following around a guy who was kind of loved and also hated. At one point in time, Jesus was saying such crazy stuff that even all of the crowds that had surrounded him and followed him, 
they rejected the miracles because of the words that he spoke. Like at one point in time when he started talking about, you know, eating flesh and drinking blood, even the people that were there for the miracles were like, whoa, I can't hang around for this. Like what you're saying is too harsh for us to take in. And Peter had even said to him when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you guys going to go too? Peter says to him, where are we supposed to go? Only you have the words of life. Well, now the words of life were dead. Imagine the internal suffering of these men on Good Friday. It was the end of a rope. But I need you to understand something about the beauty and the horror of the cross of Christ. Good Friday isn't just a day where Christ died on our behalf. It's a day that we share in his cross. Listen, can I tell you the truth? Can I tell you the truth? Jesus didn't die so you could live. He invites you to come die with him. So that he can raise you. I'm going to say it to this side of the room over here. Listen, you need to hear Jesus didn't die so you could live. He died so that you could die with him. He died so that experiencing his sufferings, you would understand him more. He died. See, can I tell you, suffering is uncomfortable. Like Good Friday sometimes can be, you know, I was telling our, I was telling our, our staff as we were, as we were praying before the service, I said, I said, you know, Good Friday, even though we are on this side of the cross, is still a somber reminder. Like, we know what happens on Sunday, right? Like, we know what happens. You know, we, we, we know what happens, you know, in, in, in the story. But the reality is, is that even on this side of the cross, there is the reminder that for the resurrection to happen, the cross had to happen. That for the healing to happen, the breaking had to happen. See, he died for us, but we die with him. And Josh, can, can I tell you why I started getting really excited to actually preach this message? Because I realized that in our own way, we're all the thief on the cross. See, a lot of times we tend to, we tend to, we tend to identify ourselves with all sorts of different stories. Like, oh man, I'm like, I'm like the, the woman with the issue of blood, man. I've got like, I had this disease or had this illness or had this or I had that. But can I tell you that without the cross, the woman with the disease of blood was still subject to judgment. She was still subject to the place of judgment. See, we've all been found in death. We've all been found at the end of our rope. We've all been found on a cross of our own making. We have chosen the thousand crosses of worldly suffering, dying slowly, but just as surely as the criminals nailed next to Christ. Friend, can I tell you that before you came to Christ, or if you're here tonight and you're not in Christ, let me tell you the truth. You have chosen a cross. It just isn't Jesus' cross. See, before we met Christ, we were just like the thieves on the cross. We were just like the criminals. And the thing is, Adrian, we earned it. We got there on our own. I got there on my own. I got there because of my bad choices. I got there because of my bad decisions. I got there because of what I allowed myself to fall into. And then I turned and I saw the son of suffering on a cross next to me. 
but he took it up on my behalf. See, the criminal on the cross rightly understood his predicament. I wonder, do we? I think sometimes we we have such an anesthetized gospel. We have such a we have such a can I can I just say we have a pretty gospel. We got a pretty gospel. You know, it's a gospel that, you know, God just really loves you and you know, man, he's just so excited about you and, and man, he just he just he just he can't wait to have you be a part of his family. But we forget that although that's true, can I tell you good Friday had to happen for that to be true? For that to be a reality for you? The book of Isaiah says that he was disfigured and scarred so much. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. He was disfigured and scarred so much that he barely resembled a human being. That was the price that Jesus paid on Good Friday for you. And it was the price he paid for me. And it was the price that he paid for us. You know, I think sometimes because of the translation stuff, we say thief on the cross a lot. But you guys realize that he probably wasn't a thief. More than likely, I mean, if, if this man and these, I should probably say these two men, if these two men earned a public execution on the highest hill in Jerusalem. And if you think about it this way, Barabbas actually was supposed to have been the main event. Like if you, if you, if you, if you understand the story right before Jesus is taken to be crucified, Pilate brings out a man named Barabbas and he says to him, he says to the crowd, he said, he said, you know, I have this, you know, we, we, we usually just let one prisoner go. Do you want Barabbas? And the Bible says that he was a rebel and a notorious criminal. And they said, so do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? And the crowd yelled, give us Barabbas. Give us the killer. Give us the rebel. And Jesus took the cross that was actually meant for Barabbas right in the center stage. But right next to him were the two criminals. It's very likely that these men actually were just like Barabbas. In fact, they may have actually been part of the group of men, the group of rebels that Barabbas was part of. Can I tell you, Adrian, the thing I love about that thief, that criminal, is that he had the wherewithal. He had the wherewithal not to explain it away. He didn't say, Jesus, use your power to rescue us. Get us off these crosses and yourself, of course. That'd be great too, I bet. He said, man, we've earned this. Friend, can I tell you? There is a there's a notion in our culture today that asks the question, does a good God do this? Does a good God do that? Why does God judge people? Friend, can I ask you, maybe flip this on its head. What have you done to not deserve judgment? What have you done to not deserve judgment? You know, it's kind of this, this well-known saying that nobody in prison is guilty. Because we all like to believe that whatever it was that got us, it was, it was trumped up charges. It was trumped up charges, man. I'm innocent. I protest my innocence. <laughs> I got to tell you, 
we are not innocent. But you know what the beauty about the, the criminal on the cross is? The beauty of it is, is that we have absolutely no idea what he did. Because all we remember is what Jesus did for him. Because like Abel, and the Bible says that Abel believed God and he offered an acceptable sacrifice. Like Abel, the criminal on the cross believed God. Listen, his, his testimony... His testimony ceased to be he was the guy that hung on the cross next to Jesus and his testimony became today you'll be with me in paradise. So often we identify with so many other characters in the story of scripture but the one that we probably resemble the most at the very last is the criminal on the cross because it's where we were all headed. After her deliverance, the woman caught in adultery was still the criminal on the cross. Despite her healing, the woman with the issue of blood was still the criminal on the cross. Despite meeting Jesus, Zacchaeus was still the criminal on the cross because they were all still subject to the same judgment that the rest of us are. Can I tell you that without the cross, every work of Jesus was completely meaningless. Every miracle was hollow. Every prophetic word, history. Everything that Jesus did, the hinge, the linchpin of Christ's entire work, his entire ministry happened right here. Because without it, nothing else mattered. Without it, he was another guru. He was another holy man. Without it, he was just another guy that had some supernatural authority that people told stories about. But see, every other miracle that Jesus, every other miracle that Jesus performed was just a down payment to the cross. See, Keanu, see what was happening was when he rescued the woman caught in adultery, he was looking past her to the cross because he knew he was going to have to rescue her again. He's like, I'm going to rescue you now. Because you need me in this moment, but I'm going to rescue you then forever. Can I tell somebody in the room, your suffering is not the end of your story. The mystery of suffering is that often it's what God is using in your life to purify you. Like I said earlier, the other criminal on the cross just didn't get it. He railed at Jesus saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But what he didn't get was that Jesus was saving him right there. If he had only been able to have the perspective that the other criminal had. You know what's really interesting? Jason, I've never actually even thought about this before, before today. How did the other criminal even know to mention to Jesus when you go into your kingdom, remember me? Because in that moment, God revealed it to him. As far as we know, as far as we know, I mean, it's not that this man could have, you know, didn't, never, never heard the words of Jesus. But can we remind ourselves that even Jesus' own disciples were just, were, were really surprised by all this? Despite the fact that he told them multiple times, hey guys, FYI, I'm going to be killed. 
He even told them the method of his own, of, of his own death. And they were just like, it's almost like, it was almost like it was such a fantastical statement. Yeah, okay. How many of you ever, have ever heard a, like a really, really like big prophetic word? Like a big one. And you're just like, okay. I'm, I'm going to maybe let this sit over here in this corner because God is really going to have to show up for that to be true. Well, I, I imagine to a degree the disciples, when they heard Jesus say <laughs> that he was going to die, but he was going to raise up on the third day, that was a corner prophetic word for them. That was like, okay, Jesus, let's, we're, we're going to pray that out later. We're going to test that against the scripture. <laughs> I could eat the meat and spit out the bones on that particular one. But his own disciples were surprised by his actual death. And yet this man who, as far as we know, never met Jesus, had, had the wherewithal to say, Jesus, guy who's next to me dying as well, when you go into your kingdom, remember me. Remember me. back to Hebrews 12 verses 22 to 24 but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and to innumerable angels in festal gathering to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel we're going to take communion here in just a minute. I, but this passage hit me, hit me this morning as I was praying and seeking the Lord. Abel, if you, you, you might know the story. Abel was the, was the son of Adam and Eve, or one of the sons of Adam and Eve, the youngest son. And the Bible records that he was not only the first person murdered, but he was also the first innocent person killed. I need you to understand that the blood of Abel striking the ground produced a curse on the one who killed him you know God shows up and he, he, he begins to speak to Cain and he says to him Cain where is your brother Cain says to him am I my brother's keeper like I mean like how flippant do you have to be to like mouth off to God you know <laughs> am I my brother's keeper and he says your brother's your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground and from that day forward, he was cursed with all of these things because he spilled innocent blood. But the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. Instead of a curse on we who killed him, the blood produced a blessing. Can I tell you what the blood of Jesus does? The blood of Jesus covers. The blood of Jesus redeems. The blood of Jesus forgives. The blood of Jesus heals. The blood of Jesus reverses the curse. The blood of Jesus sets us free. And the blood brings us in. You know, maybe as, as we're, as we're, you should probably grab your elements right now if you haven't gotten them. But as we partake here in the Lord's, in the Lord's Supper, I want to remind you that when, when the disciples in Jesus 
we're, we're having the last supper. And Jesus was talking about, this is my body, this is my blood given for you. And he's, he's talking about a new covenant and what, what, what all of this is going to happen. And then when he goes to the cross, without actually telling his disciples, really what Jesus was saying was, I'm giving you a new covenant and now I'm going to pay for it. Now I'm going to ratify it. In the light of this, we partake of the body and blood. We partake of the suffering of the Lord. We drink in what we thought his disciples saw as disaster in order to experience victory. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Lord, we thank you this evening. We thank you on this Good Friday. We thank you that you were beaten for our transgressions. You were whipped for our iniquities and it's by your stripes that we're healed. We thank you that you did what we couldn't do. So we take the bread together to remember you tonight. Let's take the bread. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, can, can, I, can we just stop just for a second? And, and, and can, I, can I give you a little something here? He took a cup and he, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. Here's Jesus right before he's about to spill out all the blood in his body. Knowing that this cup of the covenant that he was giving to them was the symbol of his own blood. He gave thanks to the father right before he went and experienced the most horrific thing that he'd ever experienced. Thank you for the suffering that produces breakthrough. Thank you for the suffering that produced this, us, his bride, his church, his people. And he took it and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the new covenant. God, I pray that we never be a people who forget what it took to ratify it. God, that we never become so callous to the forgiveness of sins that we forget how they were obtained. We thank you for your blood. We thank you that with it, you purchased a people of every tribe and nation and tongue and you made us into a kingdom of priests. We thank you, Jesus. We remember your sacrifice and we remind ourselves that you're coming again. Let's take the, let's take the, the juice together. God, we thank you tonight 
we thank you tonight for your sacrifice. We remind ourselves that even though we know what the outcome of Friday was, we know that Sunday's coming. God, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for your passion for us. We thank you for your passion. It was so deep for the world that you were willing to experience everything that you experienced so that we might experience the life, the life of Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. It's in your good name we pray. Amen.